Welcome to the Staffing RecOps podcast, where we interview leaders from high-volume staffing and recruitment firms on the operations, strategy and business processes that they've implemented or are implementing. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcoming to the show today, Michael Whitmer. Michael, thanks for joining us. James, thanks for having me. We've been talking about uh, having this connection for a while, and I'm happy to do so today. Fantastic. Michael is Global Chief Digital Officer for RGF Staffing, one of the world's largest providers of HR services. Approximately 17,000 employees and an annual revenue in excess of 11 billion US dollars. Headquartered in Almere, the Netherlands, Michael splits his time between HQ and working from home in Atlanta, Georgia in the United States. RGF itself is owned by Japanese firm Recruit Holdings, a more than 25 billion US dollar turnover organization spanning more than 60 countries. Other well-known brands include, uh, owned by Recruit, I should say, include Indeed and Glassdoor. Michael has worked in IT since the early 90s, moving into his first CIO role within staffing and recruitment in the summer of 2006 and has worked within the industry ever since and for just over the last decade within RGF Staffing Group companies. Today, Michael is accountable for driving business value through the smart use of digital tools, platforms and technologies across the entire group, as well as driving digital transformation and innovation to pivot traditional business to a digital model that creates high growth, improved efficiency and better productivity, shifting transactions to experiences, data to actionable insights and predictions, and the RGF business model to platform slash two-sided marketplaces. A slightly longer introduction than I would normally make, but when I spotted that on Michael's LinkedIn profile, I couldn't not include it in the intro. Michael, when I met you in your offices in Almere, something like 18 months ago, uh, you were Global Chief Information Officer. As of July this year, 2023, you're Global Chief Digital Officer. Can you please explain to me the difference? Yes, absolutely, James. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, first of all, thank you for that introduction. Um, it was quite long and uh, you kind of shared some of uh, what we're doing already. So I really appreciate it. But as the CIO and now still as the Chief Digital Officer, I am responsible for the overall IT strategy and direction of our technology and how we use it to drive our business. But also making sure we align this to our overall business strategy and objectives and assuring that um, the IT strategy is aligned with the business priorities. I'm a member of our executive management team or board or board as we call it for RGF staffing and of course the technology executive with a seat at the table. Now, being the CDO, my focus has changed a bit. So I let my chief information security officer manage the security domain, and I let the heads of IT and our 10 opcodes within RGF staffing manage the infrastructure, maintenance, user workspaces, implementation of the tech stack components within our opcodes, and of course, managing the IT function. Now, my focus uh, as chief digital officer now is leading and driving the digital transformation of our organization. And this means a more strategic and future-focused remit 
whereby I ensure that we put the right actions in place to create further value in our business and remain the competitive leader by leveraging digital to provide superior customer experiences, leverage automation and digitalization at the right moments in our client and candidate journeys, and put our organization on a path to become truly data-driven, which is not something that uh, is common really in the staffing industry and we need to uh, get there. And then I'm also ensuring our organization across the board <laughs> is developing a more data and digital mindset, which is also something in staffing that needs a lot of improvement. So the, to summarize all that, my, fo my shift from chief information officer to chief, chief digital officer is more about sort of my focus. Responsibility so, is the same. So, so am I right in thinking you've managed to offload some of the more day-to-day -day operational stuff and you now get to focus on, <clears throat> excuse me, the more strategic and perhaps more exciting stuff? Um, yes, uh, offloaded, correct, from an operational day-to-day -day perspective. Of course, the heads of IT within our opcos have always been responsible for day-to-day, -day, but I spent a lot of time coaching, mentoring, guiding them in that. And now more I'm driving the digital transformation and the future focus initiatives within our business. So, yes, that is very fair to say. And is it also a promotion with the pay rise? Uh, it would not be that, no. Uh, well, I won't say congratulations then, but it does sound like it's perhaps uh, a, a bit, a step more interesting. Yeah, um, I mean, in, in, it's in the same role on the EMT um, uh, and certainly a better focus, but um, nothing in the pay or promotion arena. Or maybe next year. Um, in, <laughs> in episode 11 of the Staffing Records podcast, we interviewed Emily Giltner, Senior Vice President Enterprise Operations for Staffmark Group, a large subsidiary of RGF Group. And we interviewed her about using automation in candidate engagement. But it's it's not just smart automation tool. That that was some voice AI to interact with candidates. Now, Michael, you mentioned in our recent email exchange that you've been using AI in a couple of other places, um, but that you were doing that long before the OpenAI chat GPT explosion. Can you please share with myself and our listeners what other uses of AI have been implemented across your organization? Of course, uh, be happy to uh, explain that a bit. Uh, we've been using AI in a number of areas for a while, as you mentioned. Of course, as I go through a couple of these areas, I will uh, leave the tooling or the specifics out, but a few I definitely want to share today. So first, we've been leveraging AI, of course, in the matching component. And we've been doing that for a while. We have a couple of, uh, of toolings that we use for matching. And those are, uh, of course, heavy in uh, deep learning, natural language processing area of AI. Um, and we've been matching active candidates to job opportunities, but also matching open job opportunities to those passive candidates and then sharing uh, those passive candidates with our clients to see if we can't get some sales from that uh, perspective. So matching is the first area. Second area, we use an, a tooling that allows us to take our Boolean search string and uh, improve it. And what it does is it looks at the data set 
that we have with all of our candidates and their skills and background and capabilities. And based on a taxonomy that it builds by looking at that data, it helps us expand that Boolean search string with more criteria that lets us hone in that search and find better matches than we would have with the original search string. So that's the second area. The third area, uh, we've been using AI to engage with our clients and candidates on a regular basis. When a certain status changes in their working with us, we have a number of scenarios, <coughs> excuse me, set up to analyze our data and determine exactly what to communicate to the client or the candidate when that action happens and also collect data back from them for some of those interactions. Sometimes it's an email, sometimes it's a chat bot, sometimes it's a call out, a voice, uh, automated voice call out, and sometimes we get data back. And that tooling allows us to improve the profiles of the candidate or client based on that feedback we get. So those are sort of three areas where we were using it before um, ChatGPT or OpenAI. And now, of course, speaking of those two areas, we're doing experimentation with large language models and the OpenAI uh, enterprise infrastructure, I'll call it, to determine where best to deploy this technology that's really gonna create value. So we're looking at improving the productivity though of our day-to-day -day user. So just the user in our employee base that supports our clients and candidates, how can they save a few hours here or there throughout their day? But we're really looking to create true value through efficiency, productivity, or hopefully even revenue generation using LLMs in the sourcing, selection, assessing, hiring, onboarding, paying, supporting and redeploying of our candidates or the attraction, engaging, supporting and retaining of our clients. So now we're just getting started. Yeah, we're just getting started on that. Sorry, what are LLMs? Uh, large language models. Ah, That's basically cool. what ChatGPT runs off of. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you start on this journey? Uh, just about two months ago, actually. Of course, uh, some of our staff, once uh, ChatGPT sort of got big, had been trying to use it, but we've been very careful and we have policies against putting our own privacy or commercial information into the open or public version of uh, ChatGPT because we don't want to train that engine with our data and we don't want to expose ourselves in any uh, potential risk way. So we have our own uh, licenses, if you will, or enterprise versions of OpenAI, and we're also working with a, a big uh, company that all of us know uh, around OpenAI uh, to test and experiment on uh, this type of AI. How, how much preparation and planning had to go into developing this project and making decisions on, on how to go, the, the governance and putting the team together, et cetera? Um, actually very little because we're not going at this with a ton of structure everything else we do in our business a lot of the things you mentioned in our intro um, those are things that have uh, <coughs> project uh, leaders program management uh, governance control review validation but in this area we don't know where ai is going to create the most value we have to do a lot of experimentation 
we're going to have much more failure than we have success. Um, so we're going out, uh, going about this by one, we are creating a structured uh, project team. So bringing people in from our headquarter function, from our operating companies, those that really understand these processes I talked about that we're going to look at for clients and candidates. Um, but we're going to, we're going to, of course, do some due diligence, talk to a lot of people internally and externally about where they need, you know, a better user experience or more automation or whatever the case may be. But it's going to be quite a journey because we don't know exactly where to go. We're just going to try to cast a wide net and see what we can catch uh, by leveraging AI. So experimentation, but have made the decision that you're not going to put information out into the public domain very conscious of that what other kind of safeguards or governance has gone into it you, you said it's not been a lot of planning but there obviously has been some foresight and and some decisions made as to what you will or won't do how how do you how do you yeah how do you manage that question yeah so um that's a good call out um why I said what I said about uh, sort of managing that. We always manage risk, uh, risk and compliance. And our number one risk issue at Recruit, even across all of our what we call SBUs, um, some of the brands you mentioned, as well as our domestic business in Japan, as well as staffing, all of us, the top risk in our company are data strategy and data privacy. So everything we do is focused on protecting our data. Uh, so whether it's a day-to-day -day current operation or a new innovation, <laughs> research and development, experimentation, we always have governance around data security and data privacy. And we're doing the same with this AI uh, experimentation. But that's why we invested in the uh, open AI capabilities, because that is something we can control. We can create an environment that's internal to us inside our firewall and we can protect, but at the same time, gives us a lot of flexibility and a broad way to experiment, to test, to fail, because actually failure, failing is how we're gonna learn the most. And uh, so that's, yeah, that's the one area where we have the most structure is still managing uh, our top risk. Um, but beyond that, internally, uh, who knows where this path takes us? We're gonna kind of let let the response and the outcomes take us uh, on our journey. Given the size of your organization, you have resources at your disposal. You have a lot of very qualified people that can connect and, and discuss and talk about the, the learnings and the failures that you're going through. If I'm operational IT, but at a smaller staffing firm, what kind of guidance would you give me in terms of where I maybe I'm the only IT resource and I'm doing some experimentation with OpenAI? So uh, I'm I'm glad you <laughs> ask us that way. Ask it that way and use the word experimentation. That's exactly what I would recommend. Play with it. Try it. Experiment. Go on and and use ChatGPT. Now, if you're a smaller organization, of course, you have to use the publicly available one, um, but that's also okay as well. Just be very careful about the data you put in it, but you can still play, you know, put fake data in and still play with the functionality. 
So I would say experiment, try, uh, go online, get the apps, use anything you can that's leveraging uh, uh, AI or open AI or large language models, even the uh, uh, DALI, which is the open AI image, uh, gen, gen AI image tooling, uh, work with that. It's, it's really just playing. Uh, you can be one person and learn a lot. Uh, you can be a whole organization like ours and learn a lot. So it's a lot of Googling. It's a lot of experimentation. It's a lot of trial and error. Uh, but it's not much structured than that because this world is so new. It's so expansive. It's going to evolve and change uh, more than probably any technology we've seen in the past. Um, so just stay fully engaged as much as possible as often as possible. I assume, Mike, that you engage with counterparts, other people in the industry, other organizations. Are you aware of what other large staffing and recruitment firms are doing? Are they as far into this as you? I mean, I do. I'm very connected in a community of uh, CIOs, heads of IT, senior technology executives within the staffing industry globally, actually. And uh, we talk from time to time and, and share, of course, never ever do we share anything that's proprietary or specific to our organizations. But um, do I know exactly where they're going with this as well? No, but we're all looking at it. Uh, every, every, I would say every major enterprise that's focused on digitally transforming their organization, whether it's in our industry or any other is absolutely spending time experimenting, uh, looking for how they can create value out of, uh, AI. And have you got any idea as to how much experimentation slightly smaller organizations are making? How much do you come into contact with? IT execs from smaller businesses. I uh, actually that network I was talking about is comprised of uh, all the big ones, top 20, top 30 staffing companies, and a lot of the medium and small ones. So I do probably have a network of 60, 70 people I engage with regularly. And yes, unfortunately, I would say the smaller ones are much more challenged. It's one person that's playing with this technology. It's one person trying to sell the need to spend time and energy on AI to their senior execs. So I do think they're a little more challenged just from a resource perspective. Um, and <coughs> excuse me, they have to leverage the vendors, the vendors that are offering AI solutions in our space more than we do. Um, but uh, if they can find the time or I encourage them to find the time, uh, they can also experiment and play just like the rest of us. In some ways, especially with the generative AI, this kind of technology, I guess, helps the smaller players to compete with the bigger players. One area that I think will definitely always be in your advantage, the larger organizations, is when it comes to analyzing the data because you're going to have so much more data than a small organization um, would, would have access to. What, what do you see in terms of being able to forecast from the data that you're getting? How, how, much, how much insight are you getting? So 
Uh, you bring up a great point about data. I wanted to, to hit on that, so I'm glad you brought it up. There's one thing about uh, LLMs, large language models, that they work off of data, and your data has to be uh, accurate, complete, clean, uh, something that you maintain. And that is a challenge in a lot of industries, including staffing, is that we may be deploying AI, but it's going to end up give, you know, hallucinating is what they call it when a, Gen AI gives you a sort of a wrong result because it's looking at patterns in the data. And if you've got bad data in there, it's going to give you sort of a bad outcome or recommendation. So, so data is extremely important. It's more important that it's clean and accurate and managed and owned than it is having a vast array of data. Of course, AI is best when you have millions of data points that you can train the algorithm from. But even a small staffing company, as long as you're taking AI and it's clean and it's good and you're training that AI algorithm with your complete data set, then you're gonna get some good outcomes and some good recommendations and predictions from that AI algorithm. So it's not, I, I don't contend that, um, you need uh, to be a large organization to take advantage of it. Because the, the algorithm itself, let's say you do engage OpenAI or another uh, LLM, uh, the algorithm itself has already been trained to a degree. And then it takes that training, looks at your data set and provides uh, you know outcomes. So I don't think you're at a disadvantage of uh, as a smaller organization, as long as you provide them, uh, provide the engine, the algorithm, your full data set. But but having clean and accurate data is absolutely key. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. If if I was if I was an IT exec in this industry, a small company, and I'm just starting to look at this now, you said absolutely go and experiment. You need clean data. Would you suggest I kind of work on the same two things from the start, or would you suggest I go and make sure my data is as clean as I can get it before I start playing? Both. I would experiment. Um, but you have to immediately, if you feel like your data is not good enough, you have to immediately make that a priority and start working on that from the minute you think you want to use AI to create value. So, so top, three tips priority. From, top three tips from Mike Whitmer, go and play with it. Make sure your data is clean. Make sure your data is clean first, then experiment. And, and third, uh, don't be afraid to fail keep going and learn from those failures. Awesome, Mike, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, James. Thank you to our listeners. Please like, subscribe and share. And more importantly, let us know if there is someone you would like us to interview on the show and what you would like to hear them talking about. What strategic and or operational changes are you planning to implement in your staffing slash recruitment firm? Lastly, thank you to our sponsor employee providing front and middle office solutions to a range of staffing and recruitment organizations on the Salesforce platform. That's all for today. James Lawton signing out.